Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week Annette Brownlee, who is a mother and lifelong peace organizer and activist arising out of the experiences of her father in World War II and her own experiences as a teenager opposing the Vietnam War. Annette has had leadership roles in anti-nuclear, environmental, and peace organizations in Brisbane, Australia. She is a recipient of the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom and the United Nations Association of Australia Community Peace Award. When the announcement was made in 2012 to host U.S. Marines in Australia, she, along with other colleagues and friends, initiated the formation of the national network IPAN, I-P-A-N, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network, now representing organizations from every state of Australia. She is the current national chairperson. You can see ipan.org.au. Annette Brownlee, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks very much, David. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So what what in the world are US military troops doing in Australia anyway? Uh, Mr. Obama did tell us it was um because of the Pacific pivot. So you might remember that time in around 2011-2012 when while Obama was in office, um the decision was made that the Pacific was the priority for the United States. Obviously, the whole issue of a rising China uh, was and is their concern, uh, but they um, have still remained um, railroaded through their own actions, I guess, uh, in the Middle East. So, yeah, the Pacific pivot is what it was all about. And at the time, our Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, our uh, one and only female Prime Minister uh, for the country, unfortunately, uh, very obsequiously, fell into line with uh, President Obama and his decision to base, well, his request, I suppose, which was accepted by the the government at the time, to have a permanent, semi-permanent um, uh, stationing of US Marines in Darwin. And do you, do you think that really is the motivation, either to attack China or to somehow defend the United States from China in Australia? Because I have, a, I have this suspicion that the U.S. military doesn't like seeing nations on the map that don't have U.S. bases, and they want to have U.S. bases in any remaining nation that doesn't have one. Uh, am, I, am I paranoid about this? It could be the case, you know, that might have a map on, of the world on the wall, and there's just one country that's missing. But having said that, we have had a, um, a U.S. base in Australia for a very long time, uh, which is Pine Gap in the centre of Australia. So um, we had a um, an IPAN conference and and protest in Alice Springs, um, where Pine Gap is located, just 40 kilometres outside of Alice Springs. Uh, we had that conference in 2017, and it was to commemorate uh, and shine a light on the 50 years uh, that Pine Gap has been um, in existence placed on Australian soil, uh, intelligence and all sorts of capabilities used by the United States for their military activity, including drone activity, of course, which is something that gives us great concern. But a little bit different sort of base, right? Not thousands of troops at it. 
No, no, quite different. In fact, that was one of the reasons uh, when that uh, announcement was made and, um, you know, we rallied around the country, different people who'd been active in the peace movement in the past, um, because this is the first time in non in a period where Australia is not at war, um, where we have allowed the, the, the military forces of another country to position themselves on our territory. Obviously, we had a lot of American troops here during the Second World War, but there'd been none really since Second World War up until 2012. And and apart from good, engaged people like yourself, what do Australians in general think? Or is there believable polling on on the question? Do do people want U.S. bases and U.S. troops? Do they do do they resent it and want them out? Are they completely indifferent? What's the what's the public attitude? Well, unfortunately, you probably hit the nail on the head. For the majority of Australians, they're either indifferent or supportive. There are sort of uh, public opinion polls uh, showing um, attitudes towards the American-Australian alliance um, in general that happen every year or so. And you'll see um, the public sentiment about um, the US, really, um, fluctuating depending on who's leading. And while Stadama was uh, the leader, he was um, well-received. You know, the American was well-received the foreign policy in Australia. But, you know, whenever there is a conflict, and during the Iraq war, of course, uh, that um, support for American foreign policy uh, was uh, very low. So at the moment, uh, with Trump in power, people around the world obviously are very um, uh, untrusting and uh, very concerned about him being at the helm of um, U.S. foreign policy and you know, internal policy as well, I guess. Is that a... So is... Um, uh, at this stage, you know, we're not looking at great opposition to the U.S. having their military forces here. And it's growing. Uh, that's the other unfortunate part is that it was just talked about the Marines coming for six months each year, but they don't all go home at the end of the dry season, which is really when they're up there training with the um, Australian Defence Forces. Uh, we've had a growing presence of U- United States Air Force at the Tyndall Air Base in the Northern Territory, and we're seeing, um, seeing the early indications that there will be a naval base established uh, just outside of Darwin, which will facilitate U.S. naval vessels um, using that site. Can can people be informed that that this is a growing problem and that uh, that the experience of other countries around the world with U.S. bases has not been a positive one? Oh, absolutely, and that's one of our main objectives. Really, uh, the, the the network, the national network, is is to inform. Um, it's a network of seventy different organisations. So, um, you know, we we support any activities that the individual organisations are undertaking, and there are uh, opposition rallies and various online activities going on to alert people and to raise awareness and opposition to our relationship, our alliance with the United States. Um, And there is a growing concern, um, given the the developments that are happening around the world, 
and in particular most recently uh, with the, uh, the assassination of the Iranian general. Yeah, do you, do you think that if Iraq were to succeed in, in getting the U.S. troops out of its country, the, the Iraqi parliament now and the prime minister want the U.S. troops out, that that would give a boost? To, or, or if Okinawa or somewhere else succeeded in getting the U.S. troops out, that it would give a boost to the movement in, to get them out of Australia? Yeah, uh, it certainly would uh, be a boost, certainly to the people on the ground in Okinawa and in Iraq, um, but it would be an indication that, uh, again, Australia should not be so embedded uh, and in its relationship with the United States. Now, there has been growing concern about the alliance, um, which went along with this decision to host American forces here. And you might be aware of um, former, the late Malcolm Fraser, who was a uh, Prime Minister of Australia at one point, right. who uh, wrote a book called Dangerous Allies. And uh, he um, really did provide a great service to alerting many more people in the country about how dangerous the alliance is. Unfortunately, he did pass away, but there are numerous people in an academic level and certainly throughout our network, which is quite wide. We've got uh, significant numbers of unions involved, um, faith organisations and community peace organisations so uh, not to sort of downplay the opposition, it's there, but it's just not big enough to really be making uh, making a difference to the policies of the government at this stage. We're speaking with Annette Brownlee, who is the current national chairperson in Australia of IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. Go to ipan.org.au for Australia. Uh, Annette, in a lot of the cases where there's a big movement to try to close a U.S. military base around the world, uh, people choose to focus not just on the, on the issues of militarism and wars, but on the local pollution by the base, the poisoning of the groundwater, the noise pollution, the drunkenness and rapes and sexual assaults and so forth. Have, have there been any of those sorts of, of local issues that have helped generate opposition to, to U.S. troops in Australia? There has been occasional ones. Um, I don't know whether you're aware of the Talisman Sabre exercises that happen every two years off the coast of uh, Queensland over uh, in the Barrier Reef of all places. Um, so um, I think it was the, there was one in 2000 and um, well, last year in 2018. Uh, and there's 20,000 American troops come train on pristine uh, parts of Australia in, in and around the Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. And there has been an occasion where uh, they accidentally dropped a couple of bombs into the reef. So that did cause an outcry. Um, I have to say that this, uh, as time has gone on, they have been uh, a lot more publicly... Um, canvassing how clever and how capable they are to protect the environment. So it's a sensitive issue. Um, but this development in off the coast of uh, the Northern Territory near Darwin, uh, it's called Glebe Point that the um, 
prospects of there being a US naval base built there uh, are high, and that does that area is um, in, in Indigenous fishing grounds. So we're very concerned about that, as are the local people, and uh, we will certainly be doing our best to alert people to the environmental impacts of that. The conference in Darwin this, this last year, in 2019, uh, we held the conference in Darwin to highlight the impacts of the Marines and the Alliance uh, there, and we had a very good turnout to the uh, conference. We had a protest at the barracks where the um, Marines stationed, and uh, we did our best to uh, connect with the people in Darwin about the, the likely consequences of continued hosting of these troops. Uh, it sounds like you're doing terrific work. Um, it, it, I understand that the Australian military, to some extent now, has been deployed to fight the brush fires uh, that are burning parts of Australia, um, rather than being disbanded because of the role that militaries play in creating climate collapse. Uh, and as far as I know, the lack of training that most militaries have for dealing with with fires. But uh, what's what are your thoughts on... Uh, assigning the Australian military uh, to deal with with fire rather than uh, military enemies. Well, wouldn't it be great if that actually was their role? We did put out a media release uh, just outlining the fact that this is a real security threat rather than the overseas wars that we're dragged into where our military um, has to spend inordinate amounts of money to maintain interoperability with the United States forces, and in many ways, our Australian Defence Force has been has become uh, a, a wing of the uh, U.S. military uh, establishment because the, the sorts of material that we're buying at great expense are really um, they are American material on the whole, and they are meant to be interoperable with United States war fighting capacity. Uh, so our argument really was that we would be far better to be spending the money that's going to these this equipment on equipment to manage and adapt to climate change, which you know the military has contributed so significantly to in greenhouse gases over many many years. Yeah. So yeah, that's the sort of um, argument that we're trying to make in the Australian community, and I'm sure you are too in the United States. Um, the climate movement has taken off, and that's fantastic. You know, we've got young people around the world on the streets and organising themselves. They are stunning in the sort of information and knowledge that they possess at 15 and 16. It's very, very hopeful for the future. But it's, it, what is missing is the connection between the whole militarism and um, the military-industrial complex, how significant that is in terms of um, uh, contributing to climate change, but also as a roadblock to dealing with climate change. You know, nobody in Syria today is, is worrying about their plastic or their pollution. They're worrying about survival. And uh, we need to be able to make that clear to people working in the climate movement as well. Very well said. Couldn't agree more. Um, I, 
uh, you know, I have friends who are in the military and veterans and, and others who, who think that the U.S. military and other militaries around the world should be uh, assigned to deal with climate change. My, my concern is, uh, is, for one thing, that the U.S. military has a history of using natural disasters as excuses to get into places from which they don't leave and in which they do horrible military things. Uh, and... Uh, and that a military tends to address climate change by treating refugees as military enemies <laughs> to be fought off. Uh, I would much rather see uh, mm. money and, and attention and training and energy shifted to, to a non-military organization uh, or agency to address okay. uh, climate disaster. Yeah, no, I do agree, and uh, we've had some discussions in IPAN about just that, that in fact we need a, uh, a national um, organisation of people to manage what will be uh, the coming effects and consequences of a warming planet. Uh, there's no two ways about it now. I mean, if, if anything, positive and there's not... You know, and you really can't say anything positive has come of these bushfires because they have been uh, just a tragedy for so many people. So many people, 2,000 homes lost, and uh, the um, the smoke pollution in Canberra, our capital, has been consistent for now two weeks. People with asthma would have had to leave because they haven't been able to cope with the uh, the smoke pollution. But if anything positive has come of it. It's a consolidation of the knowledge that climate change has been a major factor in this um, bushfire season. Yeah, it is. It is encouraging that people are waking up to the to the climate danger, albeit belatedly. Uh, we need them to wake up to the yeah. to the war and, and nuclear war problem as well. Are are you are are you in Australia in touch with? anti-military and anti-base movements in in other countries like in the Philippines historically there's been some success uh in ridding the country at least temporarily of of US bases um and it, it seems more and more yeah. anti-base movements are getting in touch with each other Absolutely and in fact we have um just started an effort to um work with other other people from various countries in the Pacific. We um, have tentatively held a couple of meetings to establish a Pacific Peace Network. Um, so we're connecting with uh, people in the Philippines, in Guam, New Zealand, uh, but we'd really like to, um, to strengthen that um, connection at the at this stage, we just want to hear from each other. We want to know and share what's going on in in all of the countries that, that uh, the Pacific borders on and has the island states within it. Um, so, yeah, a call out to anyone who's listening to uh, get in touch with us if they'd like to be connecting at this particular point in time. And and they can do that, I guess, at ipan ipan dot org dot au. Yeah, the um, the email address is ipan dot australia at gmail dot com. 
So that is the best way for people to contact us about anything to do with what we're talking about today. But, you know, I'd love to talk to people who um, either are in the Pacific or along the western coast of um, America uh, to to join with us in developing a, a voice for peace and demilitarization throughout the Pacific. Well, so we... That's what really needs to happen. We need to really, you know, kind of take the heat out of this uh, growing military presence in the Pacific. Well, we can we can talk after this show about uh, groups on the west coast of the United States that maybe I can help uh, get engaged. But what? Yeah, that'd be good. What uh, what about people who live, uh, as I do, near Washington, D.C.? Uh, I mean, it, when there's a demand uh, locally to close a base and back in the, in the heart of the, of the empire to close that base, uh, it, it seems the, the voice can be a little louder. Is there, is there anything that people in the United States should be doing or could be doing uh, to help efforts in Australia? Well, I think uh, information for starters to let people know just how what might be behind the basing of um, U.S. military forces in Australia. Um, we feel that it is, you know, it, it is understood that the majority of it is about containment of China or attempts to contain China. So the politics of it are. Uh, about putting on a um, at least a face that uh, China can't expand into the Pacific. And the Australian government um, started to get the jitters um, around the time that, um, well, over the last few years, that China has been offering uh, support in infrastructure to a number of Pacific Island countries like Fiji and New Guinea, um, to name just a couple. So the, uh, they, they became very anxious, our government became very anxious and they're now putting in a program to try and you know, step up to providing aid to countries in the Pacific. Um, there is a, an island off the coast of New Guinea called Manus Island. You might have heard, it, heard of it. It is where the offshore detention of refugees has been um, established for a very long time. Uh, the refugees were housed in an old naval base uh, and uh, a couple of years ago they decided they'd move the refugees out of the naval base and then shortly afterwards, you know, six months afterwards, it was announced that there would be a joint Australia-US naval base established on Manus Island. So, you know, just letting people know that this is a build-up of, of uh, infrastructure and, and forces and with a lot of money being spent... Um, in Australia and in the various countries surrounding China, uh, Guam and the Philippines and South Korea, etc., you know them all. And uh, we did have David Vine come to speak at one of our conferences oh, good. a few years back. And uh, David, David's a fantastic expert on the uh, extent of, of U.S. bases around the world. Yes, indeed. He's, uh, he's, a, have... he's a good ally and has yeah. been on this program, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if, if uh, you, you doing this program is a way of enlightening people, that's great. As well as, I'm sure David has um, has talked about his his time in Australia as well. 
yes, indeed. Uh, and we are trying our best. Uh, you know, people in the United States uh, are taught to get outraged when the government provides them with health care or food, you know, but they are, are uh, oblivious to the fact that the U.S. government is spending uh, billions of dollars to keep troops in dozens of yeah. other people's countries. They don't know. Uh, and so it's a question of how we can how we can tell them, because there isn't any movement for foreign military bases in the United States. There aren't any groups cheering, yes, we need more mm-hmm. foreign military bases. It doesn't exist. But there isn't a big enough movement on our side uh, to oppose them and, and shut them down. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, IPAN is about to embark on a project around the country. We're going to run an inquiry into the costs and consequences of the Australian-US alliance, which is really what's enabled um, the decision to host the increasing numbers of um, military forces here. Terrific. So we're, we're hoping through the process of the inquiry that we can get out of the bubble of those that already have a good awareness of what's happening both at home and around the world and and speak to people in the community that are in pensioners groups, schools, universities, unions, um, you name it. We're going to really try our best to get outside of the bubble of those that already understand what's going on and, and, and bring some sort of understanding and awareness uh, to a broader group of people in the community. So it'll be a project over a year or so, and we'll have some high-profile people to uh, receive the submissions and write a report, which we hope will make a bit of a a bang, you know, that um, means that the issues are, <coughs> are heard a bit wider. I, I certainly hope so. There was a... There was a provision in uh, the annual military bill in the U.S. Congress passed by the House and then stripped out in the so-called compromise with the Senate, uh, in which the House took everything good out of the bill, that would have required the the U.S. military to report to the Congress every year on every foreign military base what justifies it? How does it make the United States safer? Uh, and we were we were ready mm-hmm. to go with the reports on how each and every one of them yeah. makes the U.S. less safe. Well, we've David Vine and many others have been talking about why don't we do these reports anyway, even though uh, Congress is not requiring them. Uh, and it sounds like you're doing it in Australia. Yeah. Reports on, among other things, how these bases make the United States less safe rather than more safe. What do you think? Absolutely. They certainly do make the United States less safe, but they will, you know, anyone who's hosting American military forces is less safe as well. And we're even more less safe because we tag along with the United States to all the wars that they initiate, you know, from Korea to Vietnam to Iraq, Afghanistan, Iraq and Syria. And now, you know, is it going to be Iran? Um I certainly hope not. Um, we had massive demonstrations here in Australia before the Iraq war, as you, you did as well, sure. around the world. There's massive demonstrations. Uh, I do cling on to um, uh, what I believe is a, is, is a knowledge and an understanding that exists when you get one in ten people of the whole country turn out for these massive rallies. Those people haven't gone away. They might be quiet, but they're still there, and it's being able to give them something to rally around 
that we need to be able to do. Well, maybe opposing, maybe opposing yet another war with Iran this time will will help. Uh, I wish we could go on or out of time. We've been speaking with Annette Brownlee, who is the national chairperson in Australia of IPAN, the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network. We'll have links up at talknationradio.org. Annette, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. You're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at Roots action.org help end war at worldbeyondwar.org all past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org talk nation radio is produced in charlottesville virginia and syndicated by pacifica network if you are listening to a non-profit station please support that station talk nation radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org there is no way to peace peace is the way. Until next time.